Now, if you do have your Bible with you this morning, please do turn back to Jonah chapter 3 uh, as we think about this passage today. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we have uh, followed the story of Jonah, and we have seen God uh, call Jonah to go to the people of Nineveh uh, to preach to them and to tell them to repent. And we have watched this story, haven't we? We've watched as Jonah willfully disobeys God uh, and he runs away. And uh, we thought about how Jonah tried to run away as far as possible. It wasn't like he just went down the road or he went up to Largs or he went down to Ardrossa. It was like he went to, to Southampton. He tried to get as far away as he possibly could by getting this boat from Joppa and trying to get to Tarshish. But we've seen how Jonah, who went all the way down to Joppa, went all down onto the boat, went down under the deck, and we saw what happened. How God brought this huge storm up, and the sailors on that boat were so scared that they all began calling out to their own gods, and Jonah realized this was God calling to him, saying, Jonah, you're going the wrong way. And remember how Jonah was Uh, thrown overboard and perhaps we watched that in horror as we thought well Jonah has no way he's going to survive in that stormy sea he's going to drown that's what the sailors thought but then we saw how the Lord is gracious to Jonah and saved him by sending a large fish perhaps a whale to swallow him and then last week we saw Jonah in the belly of the fish And we see that in the belly of the fish that Jonah prays to God. And Jonah recognizes that God has shown him grace by saving him. He recognizes that salvation comes from the Lord alone. And then last week, in the last verse that we looked at in chapter 2, we have that lovely verse, don't we, where Jonah is vomited up on dry land. Grace has been shown to Jonah, but perhaps God is still displeased with Jonah for his disobedience. Now, at this point, what I want you to notice is at the end of every chapter, this story could have finished. You notice that? It could have been at the end of chapter 1 as Jonah is thrown overboard. That could have been the end of the story. Horrible story. That could have been the end. At the end of chapter 2... When Jonah's vomited up on the dry land, that also could have been the end of the story, couldn't it? God has been gracious to Jonah. Jonah's survived. He's now on dry land. But really, Jonah, that's the end of your work as a prophet. Of course, it doesn't end, does it? If it had ended there, it would have been a bit of a sad tale, wouldn't it? Jonah disobeying God. God saving Jonah by effectively stripping him of being a prophet for his disobedience. Of course, at the end of chapter 2, we're only halfway through the story, aren't we? Because in verse 1 of today's passage, we see that the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. A second time. You see, the Lord could have cut off Jonah completely after his disobedience. But as we thought about briefly last week, 
God is a God of second chances. He gives Jonah a second chance to do the right thing and to prove himself. He gives Jonah the chance to change. And God gives Jonah a second chance because that is the kind of God that he is. That's what I want you to realize this morning, that this is the kind of God that we have. That is who God is in his character. And in our lives, let's never think that that we've ever strayed so far from God that we can never come back to him. When we repent before God, there is always a second chance. Always a second chance. Remember a few weeks ago for our children's talk that we thought about forgiveness for the letter F. And we thought about Peter asking Jesus how many times he should forgive his brother who sins against him. And do you remember Jesus' answer to that? Jesus' answer was 77 times. Or possibly it might have been 70 times 7, which is a lot. In other words, Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, you shouldn't be counting. You should always forgive. Now, what was Jesus' rationale for that? Well, it's because God is a God of forgiveness. And he's a God of second chances. You see, the Lord didn't have to ask Jonah to go to Nineveh a second time. But he does. And this time, having learned his lesson that God is almighty, that God is sovereign, Jonah obeys. You ever thought of, you know, God asked Jonah the second time to go to Nineveh and Jonah whacked off to Joppa again and tried to get to Tarshish again? Can you imagine what would have happened then? But Jonah's learned his lesson, hasn't he? He's learned his lesson. He's learned his lesson that God is almighty. And in the belly of the fish, what's he recognized? He's recognized salvation is from the Lord alone. It's in the Lord that there is hope. So the Lord asks Jonah to go to Nineveh a second time. And this time, Jonah obeys. And he goes to Nineveh. And he proclaims the message 40 more days. And Nineveh will be overthrown. And it says here in our passage that Nineveh was a a large city. And it took three days to get through it. Now, Archaeological evidence would suggest that the walled city of Nineveh was about a mile across. That's not very large, is it? I think West Kilbride is probably larger than a, a mile across. But it might have been that it just took Jonah three days to go from place to place in the city proclaiming this message. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He's going to every area in the city. Alternatively, the, the large city might, might refer to, to Greater Nineveh. You know how you've got London and you've got the city of London and you've got Greater London. And maybe it was kind of like that. that there was Nineveh, the walled city, but also there was the kind of surrounding areas that made up Nineveh. 
But whichever way it is, it takes three days for Jonah to proclaim this message. And I hope you noticed this morning that there was an incredible response. Did you notice that? I wish when I preached on a Sunday morning, I had the response that happens in Nineveh. Because it's incredible, the response of the people. Verse 5 says, the Ninevites believed God. They believed God. They didn't doubt. They just didn't say, look, who is this daughter who's appeared? You know, we, we don't believe you. 40 days, ha, I'll just keep going with my life. That's not what happened. The Ninevites believed God. They believed in the message that Jonah was bringing to them. Now, you might ask the question here, why did the Ninevites believe so easily? Why did they believe this message so willingly? Now, there's one popular theory that you may have heard, and it's to do with Jonah's appearance. Where's Jonah just come from? He's just come from the belly of a whale or a large fish, not very nice. He's been in the stomach of a whale, which would have been acidic. And so some speculate that the acid from the fish's stomach bleached Jonah's skin white so that his appearance was striking. And that's why the Ninevites believed. That would have been quite a sight, wouldn't it? His bleached white skin going into, I'm going to believe that man because look at him. Maybe that's what it was. Now, I want you to know that's just speculation. I would have thought if that was really the case, that that would have been mentioned in the text. What's more likely is that Jonah preached this message, and despite their wickedness, the Ninevites were simply willing to receive this message as true. Their hearts were willing to to receive this message. They believed God. They believed the message Jonah was bringing to them. And even more than that, I hope you notice, they acted upon it. It wasn't as if they just said, Jonah, that's a great message, we believe you. That's not what they did. They acted. What did they do? They put on sackcloth, a sign of repentance. And not just the the humans, you know, the animals too. It's interesting to reflect on the animals in Jonah. We'll come back to that, God willing, uh, next Sunday. They put on sackcloths, a sign of repentance. They fast from the greatest to the least. Even the king, who would probably have been a bit more like a governor in Nineveh, he took off his royal robes. He put on sackcloth. He sat in the dust. And he issues a decree that no living person or animal should eat. All should be covered with sackcloth. Everyone should call urgently upon God and that they were to give up their evil ways and violence. And so what I want you to see is that Ninevites take Jonah's message seriously and they understand something of God's character. That's quite something, isn't it? We've noted already throughout this series, Jonah does not come out terribly well in this whole story. Remember, the sailors, the sailors seem to have more of an understanding than Jonah did. 
Their character seemed to have been better. Remember when the storm came and they knew Jonah was at fault, they desperately tried to row back to the shore to save Jonah. The Ninevites come out better than Jonah does, don't they? And they understand something of God's character. They understand that God could easily overthrow them after 40 days because God has fierce anger after sin. But they also understand, on the other side, that God is a God of compassion. And so the whole city of Nineveh repents. They fast, they wear sackcloth, they turn from their wickedness. What a change in that city. And this idea of repentance is something that we all need to do. Maybe we need to do it in our church here. That would make quite a something in our village, wouldn't it? If we turned up on a Sunday morning all wearing sackcloth. You see, repentance is something that we need to do as individuals. And it's something I believe we need to do in the church to turn back to God. It's something we need to to call our nation to do, to come back to God. Let's not think that this is something we don't really need to do. Yes, other people need to do that. I don't need to do that. You see, sometimes we become unbalanced with our view of God, don't we? You see, sometimes we think, you know, God is so far off and He's so holy and He's so full of righteousness that we think God is unapproachable and we're kind of scared of God. That's one side of it. Or either that we go the other way, which I think is much more prevalent these days, where we think, you know, God is our pal. And it doesn't really matter what we do in our lives because, you know, God will forgive us anyway. And so we don't take any messages about about judgment, about God being holy. We don't take these things seriously because they think they don't apply. God's my pal. That's what we think. But here, what I want you to see is the Ninevites have it right. They know that God is a God who can show fierce anger. That's not uncontrolled anger. It's righteous anger. It's something that Jonah has experienced in the storm. It was unlike any other storms. It was a fierce storm. That is God's anger with Jonah. God is a holy God. He's a God who is to be reckoned with. And maybe we just need to be reminded of that today. We must always realize this and never take God for granted or take God for a fool. What does it say in Hebrews 11? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So God is holy. He's mighty. We need to recognize that. But in saying this, we must also realize that though God is so holy and mighty and awesome, that God is a God of compassion and grace. And that's a wonderful and a marvelous thing. We see this throughout the Bible, that God is a God of compassion and grace. That's who He is in His character. How often in the Old Testament... Do we see the Israelites 
not being given the punishment that often they deserve. That God withholds his hand. How often is it repeated in the Old Testament that God is slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. And we know if you're a Christian here this morning that God loves us so much that he gave his only son. So much. You see, Jesus would not have come if God were not a God of love. And we know that on the cross, and this is the marvel of the cross as we come to Easter, the marvel of the cross, that God's justice and his righteousness and his holiness on one side, joined together with his mercy and his love and his grace on the other. And that's why Jesus is the perfect sacrifice on the cross. This is the glory of the cross. Because it's where God's righteousness and holiness and his love and his grace meet together. And so we see here that the Ninevites, they understand something of the character of God. They understand that God could easily in fierce anger overthrow them after 40 days. They understand that. And they take that message seriously. But they also understand that God is a God of compassion. And that's why they fast. That's why they wear sackcloth. That's why they repent. They are seeking after God. God, will you relent? And as the people of Nineveh repent, what does God do? Well, he does relent, doesn't he? It says in verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. We see that God responds to the repentance of the Ninevites. And he relents. You see, God sees this change. This change in the Ninevites. He sees that they've turned. They've turned from their wicked ways. And so that he doesn't bring them to to destruction. There's been this wonderful change in Nineveh. And God sees it. He sees it. That's something else in God's character, isn't it? Because God sees everything. And we know that when we come before God in repentance and faith, He sees it. And He's able to relent. You see, this passage today ought to give us hope too. Because in our natural selves, we are all sinners who are headed for destruction. That's what the Bible says all the way through, consistently. We are sinners headed for destruction. But God longs for us to come to him. And when we repent, when we turn from our wicked ways, and and let's not think here that wicked ways means murdering someone or stealing or or, or something that's really overt sin. Sometimes we fall into that trap, don't we? Oh, I'm not that bad. But if you examine your own heart, you know the blackness. 
You know the sin that is there. But when we turn from our wicked ways, and I'm really talking about any time, when we put ourselves first, rather than putting God first, when we turn from our wicked ways, and when we repent, this is the message this morning, God relents. God relents. And maybe you just need to know that this morning. When you repent, God relents. And he does so because that is the kind of God he is. And we don't receive the destruction that we deserve. Instead, when we turn from our sin and put our faith in Jesus, we receive the promise of eternal life and being with God forever. Which is wonderful, isn't it? So this morning, let's see that Jonah received a second chance. Because God is a God who gives second chances. Maybe this morning you just need to hear that message. You think you've drifted so far that God couldn't forgive you. God could never call you. Well, I've got news for you this morning. If God called Jonah, who deliberately, willfully ran away, if he called Jonah a second time, he can also call you a second time, or a third time, or a fourth time. God is a God who gives second chances. But let's also see this morning the seriousness of the Ninevites who turned from their wickedness. Are there areas in our life that we need to turn from our sin and turn back to God? And let's see that when we repent, that God relents. Why? Because that is God's character. And that is the wonderful God that we have. You see, even here in Jonah chapter 3, we're immediately brought to the foot of the cross, aren't we? Because it's at the cross that we see God's character. It's at the cross we see our sinless Savior die. And we know that it's by putting our faith and trust in that Savior that we receive forgiveness and we receive life and we receive hope. This morning in your own life, maybe you just need to know that hope. Maybe you just need to know God's love. Maybe you just need to be reminded that God is a God of grace. Come to the cross this morning and put your faith and trust in Jesus. Amen.